Hey there, Joshua here. I uh, just wanted to give a big uh, thanks to Dana Taos for recommending uh, Shanti O'Connor to participate here. Um, I'm super happy to introduce you to Shanti today. Um, Shanti is a name I've heard tossed around town uh, quite a bit in the time I've lived here in Bend, so it was a real pleasure to meet up with her today. Um, we had a wonderful chat full of um, talking about some of our frustrations um, and some practical applications on how to make things better and uh, some vulnerabilities and a lot of sincerity and um, I think it was probably just the first time that uh, Shanti and I will have a great conversation and I'm certainly looking forward to the next um, one uh, little PSA uh, at the very end of the interview a weed eater um, makes an appearance and the sound is likely to be a little shocking sorry for that um, seems like some of the stuff is unavoidable um, anyways enjoy this conversation uh, tell your friends your family um, the more listeners the more we hear about it the more we learn the better we can all be and voila the world's a better place all right thanks again Talk to you soon. We are live. Um, how old are you, for the record? I am 40. Great. Yeah. Uh, who are you, and how do you describe yourself? Um, well, I try not to describe myself in general, honestly, um, because I, I feel like um, there's so much that's lost in words, but I, I guess for this sake, I am... My name is Shanti O'Connor, and I am, first of all, a mom and um, feels like that's sort of like the thread of everything I do, that's, that's who I am. But um, I am a wife, an athlete. Um, I am <laughs> a curious individual. I don't know, I, I'm just this really interesting, weird person. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. <laughs> You're the, you're the first to describe yourself as an interesting, weird person, so yeah. that's great. We're, we're headed in the right direction. Uh, what concerns you about the state of the world and humanity? Mm. What, and, and, you know, what is that that affects you personally? Um, I think what concerns me the most, and it's, it's, it's personal, um, but it's also collective, is um, relationships and how... Um, people treat other people but specifically um, what I'm super concerned about is how um, parents are treating and raising children and my concern about that is personal because I was raised with um, a drug addict who um, was really violent and we were homeless and um, my life was very unpredictable and scary all the time and so it's a heightened awareness that I have um, in our community and the collective. And it concerns me because there are a lot of children being raised um, and being hurt. Mm. Yeah. And as we know, like how you were raised has a direct impact on how you feel and how you show up in community and what you're able to do and your health and your longevity and the relationships that you have like 
it affects everything. Mm -hmm. And so on the very simplest level, how we birth our children matters and how we raise our children matters. And yeah, and it concerns me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What can you or what, what do you do about it? Me personally, I work with a lot of moms and um, I, um, I try, I did this birth awareness a week and I try to educate um, individuals on there are ways to um, birth that are more safe and safe in terms of emotionally safe, um, physically safe, spiritually safe than the choices we're making. And then um, also in my work with moms, um, there, it's a lot of like helping them unwind their own trauma so that they can show up more fully in their life with their children, with their partners, whatever they're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so me, it's my work is more on the individual and those um, individuals ha um, have the ripple effect that impact the larger community, which impacts, you know, it just keeps moving mm -hmm. the impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. What do people mean to you, individual to individual, as you make your way through? What do people mean to me? Mm -hmm. That's an interesting question. Um, people mean, um, hmm. I think essentially people mean just this really, uh, I, I'm not finding the like, what I want to say that will be really clear, but um, people mean connection, people mean um, transformation, people mean um, growth, people mean uh, love. So for me, when I see people, I am just so instantly curious, like, who is this person? What is their story? And so maybe just a lot of curiosity when it comes to people. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't answer that well. <laughs> oh, I think you answered it just fine. I'm curious about people too, which is why I'm, you know, this is why I'm here mm -hmm. today. What, what these, you know, point to basically is, I guess, this next question. Um, and I'm actually really interested in what you're going to have to say because like the way you've been answering is really leading towards this anyway. So uh, I used to ask, what does community mean to you? And that took me down too many side roads. Um, so I'm going to define it as a community as our relationships with each other and the world we live in. Mm. Um, so with that said, you know, why are we having such a difficult time considering everybody's needs and abilities and inabilities or um, equality and equity and embracing differences and compassion and all of this like mm. I encounter you know so there's the question and then I'll offer you a little bit more but it seems like a lot of people consider their relationships to be uh, you know paramount to whatever else they're mm. they're Our, our fellow species uh, is spoken of as the thing that matters, but then mm. we act in all these ways that suggest otherwise. Mm. Or maybe we act in ways that suggest that like 
um, the individual is what like each person is looking out for their best interest and if another person gets in that way then that person is no longer part of their yeah empathy scale yeah so um you know why well, why the struggle as even when we know like we're making the worst choice well i'll share personally um so like i mentioned i come from high high trauma if you look at this thing called adverse childhood experiences do you know that mm -hmm. it's a scale of one to ten and the higher you go up on this scale 10 being the highest, you have a harder time having healthy relationships. You have a harder time um, just existing in a healthy way in society. You're more likely to be sick, to be a drug addict, to go to jail, prostitute, like all of the things that you don't want to have happen in life, you have like a really high chance. Like it's rare that it, you don't end up doing some, right? And so if we look at, at that, that one to 10 scale, and I'll share personally, I'm a 10 out of 10 on that scale. And what I can say for me, growing up in high trauma, is I didn't know how to have safe relationships. For me, because I was so traumatized, and so I was so scared of people, like the nicer you were, the more I questioned it, the more I would um, run away from that and have a negative response to that. Mm. But the more unhealthy somebody was, mm. I would go towards that because that was my, my guidance system was off and that was my, um, what I knew. And I had a lot of unhealthy relationships. Now, I still had compassion and I still wasn't judging. Like, I still had this layer of empathy and compassion. So you referred to this empathy scale. But I think this, this has something to do with it. Like, when, when individuals... So, it's so complex, right? Like, when how we are raised directly impacts how we're able to show up in community, how we're able to have relationships. But it even goes back further than that. What we know about um, being in the, in the utero is that your, your mom's trauma, your grandma's trauma, your great grandma's trauma is all being sent down mm -hmm. and you're, you are adopting the trauma of the matrilineal line not the masculine, but the feminine line. Mm. And, um, and so I think we're, we're being born and some of us have high anxiety, depression. A lot of it's not ours. It's probably our great grandma's who was in a war or, mm. um, and so I think collectively we are seeing that everywhere. Like people are so disconnected from their self. And they are so scared. What I know to be true, just in the little work that I do, that majority of people are highly anxious, are really scared, and don't know how to make any change or impact in their life. And if we, if we look at that um, collectively, you can, you can see that. Like, I know for sure that the problem is trauma. The problem is what's happening generation after, it's building up, it's building up. Mm -hmm. And so our baseline of normal has moved up 10 notches to like 
fear, stress, anxiety. We don't, we're not even born with a baseline of normal. Some of us are, some of us are so blessed and we do. And, and I also know from my own experience that we can learn, um, we can heal and we can learn how to be with ourselves Mm -hmm. and we can learn how to be in relationship that's healthy. Um, it, it can take a long time. It took me a good 20 years to get there, but I, I am arriving. I feel like I'm arriving. And how I show up now in community is profoundly. I feel I feel a comfortableness. I feel a worthiness. For a long time, I didn't feel worthy of any sort of goodness. I didn't feel worthy of anything. And so now I feel worthy. Now I feel like I can allow myself to be heard, to be seen. I was invisible for so long in my life. Like literally people would run into me all the time. I, I, I felt invisible and I, and it seemed like I was invisible. And so I think, you know, I think I, I honestly, from my personal perspective, like that's a big, huge part of it right there. And there's also like, we kind of, we can be isolated. Um, I, I had, um, after my first child was born, I started this mom's group and I decided like, I just want to be around people like me. And, um, and it was great because they validated all the choices I were, I was making, but what it started to create in me was judgment. Um, around anyone not making similar choices. Mm -hmm. I wasn't allowing myself to be exposed to other perspectives and other stories and other needs. I was only creating this really like tight bubble of like what it means to be a mom and raise a kid. And it started to feel icky. It didn't feel right. And so after my second child, I created another mom's group. But this time I just put it out. I put it out to the community, hey, this is, I'm doing this. This is my intention. I really want a loving community of moms who, who care about their children and care about community and when will show up for each other no matter what. And I got all of these women to show up that I would have never met because they were making parenting choices. They were making life choices very different than mine. They didn't look like my people. But, um, but it turns out like they are my people Mm. and what it did is it opened up, oh, this is why you're doing this. Oh, this is why you have this situation. Like I just, I just really saw the whole system Mm. instead of just one little part of that whole system. Mm -hmm. And I think that can happen a lot in the collective. Like it's really easy and safe to be in these really isolated communities. And um, and it is wonderful. There's some beautiful things that happen out of that. But the downside that could happen is that we don't get to um, hear the other stories and perspectives that once we hear them, we realize, oh, actually you are really just like me. You don't look like me, you don't sound like me, but you are so similar to me, I can relate to that feeling. I can relate to that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see, I feel like there's a lot of that that used to happen in Bend. Bend is really opening in a way that it's it's not as bad as it was, but it's it's becoming more diverse and, and uh, um, 
Yeah, so if I look at the micro, I think it's same for the macro. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot. There's a, this notion that I've been hearing quite a lot of just out here uh, in Bend, which this isn't about Bend, but it's like, it's, yeah. where, we're, we're, it's where we are. Yeah. So um, this notion of awareness and that uh, people are doing the best they can with the level of awareness that they have at any given time. Mm. And I like, I hate this idea. Mm. Um, but there's elements of it that I think are applicable and probably worth investigating. Mm. And, and I guess awareness might be one of them. Like just just generally speaking, like even if maybe we're not doing the best that can we can with the awareness we have, I think we can always kind of be doing better, even with what we do know. Yeah. Like I know yeah. quite a lot, and I don't do it. Sure. So yeah, that's kind of where I think the thing is flawed. Is just from my own looking at myself. It's like oh, I definitely know that was the wrong choice. I made it anyway. Yeah. So, but raising awareness seems like a really wonderful place to start. I'm wondering, though, how we start to do that in a way that is popular, Instagrammable, uh, <laughs> on trend with sound bites and a, and a cool spokesperson, so that we can start to kind of generally understand, like, uh, we are part of mm. a collective. Even if you just, even if it's just, even if you just want to look at your your neighborhood mm -hmm. or your town, but let, I mean, we are really part of like this human collective and a world collective where we are engaging and interacting and dependent on plants and animals and mm. weather and the environment, all this stuff. Why, like, we can't learn. Every individual cannot learn every potential. nuance sure right like yeah you can't teach someone about single-use materials mm. and not using them and and homophobia and racism mm. and on and on and on right like everybody can't learn it but, but we shouldn't have to we should start to be able to say like you know what this is i get this now this is mm. part of this overall vibe of basic whatever it is mm. compassion what's how do we do that how, Long mm. question, convoluted question, but like, mm. I guess I see a lot of, a lot of little, it's like lots of little gardeners. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and everybody's got their weed specialty. What, what I, what I think is maybe a, I don't know how to make it Instagrammable and popular. So, but what I'll speak to is we need to start having more uncomfortable conversations, not only like within ourselves, like you saying, hey, I think I should be doing this, but like holding yourself accountable in that way and saying, hey, what's that about for me? But also um, with our relationships and, and going up the scale to, you know, collectively. But um, I think that's part of it. Like for me, I have a lot of awareness about birth and raising children. And so, for me, like questioning 
in a very in a very understanding compassionate way but like questioning choices that we're making you know when i'm with somebody and they're saying oh yeah i'm gonna do this I'm like oh yeah well, why what what have you thought about this right i think it it starts with with that mm. on a maybe more like simple and fundamental level and also being really open to having these uncomfortable conversations i lately have been having a lot of uncomfortable conversation about cultural appropriation mm. coming to me and um and so and th sometimes these are like strangers coming up to me and saying hey well, why are you doing this what's this about and it's great because i get to say hey I, I'm, you know, I was raised in the Hindu faith and this is part of my religion, you know, um, versus them just like judging me and mm. thinking they know. But um, I don't know the bigger answer to this question, but I do know that that's part of the solution. Mm -hmm. And, and um, getting our ego out of the way of these conversations, right? Like just being really curious and open and and not see it as like a, an attack and sometimes it can feel defensive and attacking but other times um if we just like try and like sit with whatever's being asked or said we might find something out mm -hmm. uh, what do you think i'm curious about what you think mm -hmm. <laughs> what do i think i I live a different life than I was, like, programmed to live. Sure. I grew up in a way, I was raised a way, mm. and when I, somewhere along the line, I made, like, a decision. Yeah. And I went a different direction. And that, that former way uh, is still in my head or whatever. Mm. It's really hard to get rid of those embedded theologies or... So in, in some way, this makes me more judgmental of a person because it's like, mm. well, if I can do it, so can you. Mm. So stop mm. being an idiot, mm. right? Um, and then I also can see that I'm an idiot mm. sometimes. What I think is lacking, I think there's two major issues. Mm -hmm. One of them is there's a lack of accountability. Like we don't hold each other sure. accountable, even just on the basic individual level, yeah. right? Yeah. And that manifests itself in canceling plans or ghosting somebody mm -hmm. or um, taking up two parking spaces when you only need one or like lots of different <laughs> things, right? Mm -hmm. uh, talked to someone the other day who's like big thing with someone driving slow in the fast lane. I think that's the same stuff. It's sure. like yeah. you're just not being held accountable. No one's pointing it out to you. You're probably not like maliciously driving around slow mm. in the fast lane to really screw with everybody, you know, yeah. but it's also just like, you're just not, you haven't been, it hasn't been brought to your attention in a way that's meaningful to you. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, a, a, at least culturally, Western culturally, I mean, I think it's growing though. Our top priority is the wrong one. Mm. Personal gain, wealth, mm. accumulation, consumerism. Mm. I just don't, in the long in the long game, I just don't see how that's like the right choice. Yeah. Um, so if you mix those two things, I think you've just got a lot of self-centered and ignorant people. Yeah. And 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 
and some of them are playing the game that they're meant to be playing very, very well, and they're actually, you know, for for better or worse, like succeeding. Sure. Right. And then I think it makes other people feel pretty odd mm. about mm. their life and what they're meant to be doing and the difficulties. Yeah, because you don't fit into that norm. Right. So then what, what does that mean? You don't fit into the norm, but that norm yeah. is also like... Convoluted. has established the rules, and then so now your life kind of looks less wonderful than you want it to, even though your goals are simpler or your ideals are richer or whatever. Or your impact is greater. Right. But in a more subtle right. way. Um, I could talk about this particular um, yeah. well thing for a long time. It's, it's juicy. Going on three years, right? So, it's juicy, uh, yeah. And I, I think this will go on for the rest of my life. Um, I find it very frustrating. Yeah, uh, it is very frustrating. And that account accountability piece is huge, not only personally, but collectively. Like, how do we start holding ourselves and each other more accountable? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. And I think part of that is the uncomfortable conversations, mm -hmm. right? Um, but beyond that, yeah, how do we do that? Yeah. Yeah, it's I interesting. Mean, I, I, I got in the car with someone who I'm friends with couple months ago for the very first time like we had, were friends but we had never been in a car together and I got in his car and he went through a roundabout and like did all the wrong things <laughs> yeah you know right uh -huh. and I just sat there like so annoyed mm. Mm. and you didn't say anything no yeah right yeah it's a practice which is like it's like I just didn't want it to I don't know it's like yeah. even such a simple thing like it doesn't have to be this big deal but it really inside I was just like I didn't want to sound judgmental or I didn't want to sound accusatory but yeah. I feel I have super strong feelings about like roundabout etiquette right yeah. so it was a really yes. difficult thing for me to want to say without sounding harsh and that's what we haven't learned yeah right like we haven't learned those communication skills of how to say those things I mean nonviolent communication kind of helps you could have kind of said you know hey man I kind of feel unsafe when you're going through the roundabout in this way and it makes me feel nervous, you know, whatever, right? right? Like you make it about yourself. Sure. But, um, yeah, even something that simple, like how, how do we learn how to even have those really simple charged, you were charged in that moment conversation right. without making it personal. Right. Yeah. But that's the way, like true community, you have, we have to like expose our shadow we have to talk about our shadow. We have to let our shadow be seen. Yeah. I mean, it, it literally is one of the most important things community, the work community has to do. Because through that chaos is liberation and like real connection. Right. Right. Like imagine if you had that really uncomfortable conversation with him and afterwards he accepted it. That might have brought a deeper level of understanding and connection with that person. Mm -hmm. Even though it's... A, this damn roundabout, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, is interesting. Mm -hmm. And what I'm appreciating is this past year, I have been having a lot of conversations like that. So it's it's kind of a place that I'm really comfortable. Mm -hmm. I mean, no, not comfortable. Passionate about right now. Mm -hmm. Because what I am seeing come out of these really uncomfortable conversations, like, hey, what you said or did was not okay with me. Mm -hmm. I... So for instance, here's a great example. 
my my daughter went to kinder. She started kinder this year, and I am just I'm I've been grieving. I've been grieving the the sadness around. Here's this five year old, and our connection's gonna change. It needs to change. It has to change. But the the mom and me really loved that five and under period. So we get to open house. I'm already feeling a little, a little just sad. I'm just like in that sadness. And I find out who my daughter's teacher is. And then there's this other layer of grief that sort of comes in because it's not the teacher I wanted. Like of the three, it was the only one I didn't want, even though it's hurt. It's obviously I'm making it about me. Um, <laughs> we arrived to the classroom and um, she was abrasive. She was, um, how she talked to me did not feel good. And um, she was very condescending. And I'm sitting here and in, in, in the middle of our conversation, she's turning her head and talking to somebody else. And, she, and I'm seeing her give other people warmth that I wasn't given. Mm. And, and I'm, I'm having this moment of like, okay, what do I do with this? Do I just say, we'll just wait and see what happens? And I decided, no, this is not okay with me. This is a kindergarten teacher. I feel like she should have more warmth. And I feel like it matters how she talks to me and other parents. And I, I, I know a lot of parents at the school and I talk to other parents. They're like, oh yeah, that's how she is. That's how I felt. This has been going on for years. Mm-hmm. And so I said, no more. I went to the front desk. I requested a meeting with the principal. But before I sat down and met with him, I, I sat down and talked to her. And I said, you know, hey, um, when I met you, I felt really sad because I didn't feel like I was accepted. I didn't feel like you were invested in getting to know me. And that made me feel like, you know, it, it worries me because how is my daughter going to be treated? How am I going to be welcomed when mm-hmm. I want to come into this? So we had this really uncomfortable conversation. And mm-hmm. I could tell she was like, whoa. Like it, it really impacted her. She was willing to hear me. Mm-hmm. And she shared like, hey, you know, um, this is something I'm struggling with. And so I got to hear the bigger story around what was going on and her struggles. And we both, we both left like, I, I am going to hold you accountable is what I told her to treating me a certain way. And she's like, I am going to do my best Mm -hmm. to be more welcoming. And, um, right. Like there's so Mm -hmm. much juicy, Mm -hmm. juiciness out of that. Yeah. So, uh, I'm looking for revolution. Like I, I I think we totally need all the things need to be different. And I think like, this is actually the only way that it's going to happen is through these little conversations that grow. I'm also wondering, you know, a few people will listen to this and they'll hear the roundabout story, right? And that tiny little piece of information might get into their brain and that might affect a slight ripple. Sure, right. Wouldn't it be like so much more interesting and worthwhile if like every person in Bend heard the story? Like if mm. instead of getting excited about another brewery or trail maintenance or what what you know whether or not 
ski lift ticket prices are going to be more expensive this year or not or if we like if that was part of our news it was like mm. public service announcements that generally affected every single person in this community mm. on on that type of small level all the way up to the biggest stuff mm. like how many things are people experiencing and feeling frustration over or timidity or or fear mm. That we just that just go on and go on and go on and, and go build, on and go on and, and build, build right, and, and build. then it turns into the bigger, more disgusting yeah. things like sex yeah. trafficking. Yeah, I think I it's know. happening all over, every everywhere, every day. Yeah, constantly. Yeah, yeah. I'm fed up with it, but I want to like do something about it. You know, it's like these are the things that I'm really interested in. It's like how do we really affect change, and 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 how do we do it in a way that makes people accountable that say they want change but don't live in a way that suggests that they want change. Yeah. If you're experiencing so much comfort in the way things are and you're not really the right person to be complaining about the way things are. Yeah, and, and unfortunately in our culture we kind of need this really big wake-up call yeah. to sort of make a, make a change. Yeah. Right? Like there are so many people like you, like grassroots individual, so passionate about what you're talking about. And and I feel like I, I feel that too. Like in my right. way that's what I'm doing. But to make the bigger, like you're talking yeah. about the bigger collective, yeah, that's, that's the harder part. So there's this notion of like hoping for a better future or whatever, you know, mm. uh, which I used to ask about also, but I, I've been reprogrammed. Mm. I, I interviewed somebody a couple months ago who helped me like think about this differently. Mm. Uh, so let's just say like any kind of change that you hope for. It's really up to taking responsibility and like doing the thing. Yeah. So, will we do that? Do you think? Like, will we accept responsibility? Will we begin to make the future that we want? Yeah, I think it's going to happen slower than maybe you or I would prefer. You know, I think you and I and a lot of people in this community are ready for quick radical change, because I think we've done enough work that we know it, we see it, we we will welcome it because we know what it will bring. But on a bigger scale, I think it's going to be, it's either going to happen slowly, which means if it's going to continue to happen slowly, there's just going to continue to be these big crises that will wake people up. I, I don't, honestly, I wish I had a more optimistic view, but I don't see it happening unless it's through crisis whether it's you know natural disasters another you know invasion or whatever it is it's yeah i think we're too comfortable i think we're too complacent i think our life is too easy mm -hmm. and it's too scary change is scary change scares me it mm -hmm. does but i've had enough like <laughs> change throughout my whole life that i've learned how to be scared and still go towards change and uh, mm. I'm, not, I'm not quite sure how it will change otherwise honestly do you do you have a sense of purpose yeah yep I do I, I, I think that's one of the things that why I'm one of the very few with my background who is living a, a somewhat normal life I don't know um, if how we live is normal but um 
<laughs> I, I think part of it is because I always knew that I was meant for something. I didn't know what that was, and I'm still not quite sure I know what that is, but there's this energy that drives me because I know I have a purpose. I know that like who I am is needed and unique enough in this world that no matter what I do, like no matter what I'm doing, it's taking me down this line of destiny, purpose, whatever. But yeah, I mean, I feel like on, on, on a very like general level, my purpose is to help um, people, more specifically women, just because just because women are more drawn to work with me than men, um, to really find like heal themselves mm. and find that they they can find their truth. You know, teaching them how to find their truth, how to speak their truth, how to live their truth, and how to really like find who they really are. So I feel like that's something that really I find lights me up. Mm. Um, and I, I think like my purpose is to just, yeah, do what I can to make community stronger and more, more loving. Mm. Um, and it happens on those very small levels of helping these people heal. And then it happens on these bigger levels of, of the community that I'm actively creating. That's very nurturing and honoring and loving. Um, and it's not about competition. It's not because, you know, I recognize and I create a space where we all recognize that everyone is so unique and has amazing gifts to offer mm -hmm. that it doesn't necessarily diminish anybody else's gifts. It really makes the whole community shine when we're all in our gifts. So I feel like all of that is sort of my purpose. Ask me in a year yeah, right. and it might change, but, cool. but yeah, that's the constant thread in my life, I guess. And, and a lot of it is because of my own personal background. And so that sort of fueled my work, mm -hmm. you know, because of how I lived, I living homeless, going to 20 different schools. I never had community, mm -hmm. never. Mm -hmm. The longest place I'd ever lived somewhere was maybe two years. Mm -hmm. And so by the time I, um, hi. So by the time that I landed here, and I've been here 15 years, I got to really understand what community is, and it scared the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. um, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, that was a, that was a crazy sound. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Everything was good without the lapel mics until the weed eater. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so from my personal experience and story is, is, is that, um, creating really strong community yeah. is important and and a lot of it because I didn't have it and yeah. so I'm really curious about what that looks like and what that means and what that feels like mm -hmm. and my part in creating that yeah. do you uh, do you have any closing thoughts or did you want to say anything that I didn't you know ask the ask the leading question for or mm -hmm. anything like that um Mm, 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 mm. I don't, yeah, I don't have, no. That's fine. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank That's you. Great. Yeah.